Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Is an orange called an orange because it's the color orange? Or is the color orange called orange because it looks like an orange? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, back home on uh, the home turf, home soil, and uh, almost rested up. So for tonight's show, in pipe parts, we're going to uh, do a trip report. Yeah, I'll give you the uh, pipe-related highlights of my trip. My guest tonight is uh, blender of the Seattle Pipe Club Blends, Joe Langford, and uh, also quite a pipe collector himself, so we'll talk to Joe. We'll have music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, So I just want to say, first off, uh, the trip was a lot of fun. It went actually a lot better than I thought it would be. We were gone for uh, 15 nights. The first one was spent on an airplane. And then uh, in Denmark for four nights, Paris for five nights, and then London for the last five nights, which I'll talk about in the rant. But, um, I mean, overall, it was a uh, it was a great trip. Lots of stuff to do in each place. I uh, was able to get my uh, family a uh, taste of all the... Uh, yeah, a taste of all the historic stuff and get a chance to see and try and hear and uh, look at different things. Uh, for me, this was my first trip to Europe purely for vacation or holiday. Uh, I had no business plans for it whatsoever. The only other times I'd been over to Europe were for work, and I'd add a half a day on the beginning or a day on the end or something like that where I'd get a chance to do a little bit of sightseeing. But this time purely vacation uh for my wife and kids the first time they'd been over so lots of excitement and uh, a lot of fun uh packing was interesting because we only brought one suitcase each so we packed as tight as possible and for me that meant uh only picking out three pipes that were going to go with me but i uh, figured it out and you know what made it through it was just three pipes all right, in uh, let's quit the rambling. We'll get the show going here. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, let's talk about the pipe smoking related uh, part of the trip only. Um, let me start off with the hotels. It is uh, virtually, it's really hard to find a smoking hotel room in Denmark and impossible in France or the UK. They're all banned completely in France and the UK. Uh, A little bit of advice for you if you're traveling and pipe smoking is something that you want to start your day with or end your day with, do a little bit better homework than I did. Uh, The hotel in Denmark had a wonderful patio out back that was for smokers a couple of a uh, couple of umbrellas and tables and some lounge chairs to sit at and relax and i could start my morning there with a pipe and the little uh, the little breakfast room was right inside there so it was easy to go in and get a cup of coffee absolutely no problems there uh the other two hotels not so much. It was pretty much a stand at a cigarette post outside the door, and you were standing on the sidewalk, and no place really to uh, 
put down a cup of coffee or a drink or anything like that. So um, not the not the most comfortable places. And of course, the hotel rooms were all non-smoking. Uh, so do your homework in advance. Make sure and check and see if they've got uh, outdoor seating for smoking if you're going over to Europe. That would be my advice. Um, however, while in uh, while in Denmark, uh, let's go through this in order so it'll make it easier in my uh, feeble mind. Um, in Denmark, everybody, everywhere I went that had outdoor seating for restaurants and stuff was pipe-friendly, except I saw one place that said no cigars. So we just didn't stop there. Uh, but every place else, perfectly friendly to pipe smoking. As long as you weren't inside the restaurant, you were fine, and the weather was really good for us. Uh, in fact, over 14 days of being in Europe, we only had about 15 to 20 minutes of rain that actually detoured our uh, our schedule at all. And for Northern Europe in this time of the year, that's pretty amazing. Um, in uh, Denmark... Did get a chance to, uh, went to the Amalienborg Palace and posted pictures on my Facebook page of King Frederick, the uh, the most recent King Frederick. His uh, office study was recreated in a room there, and the guy had a pipe collection. Uh, let me tell you, there were pipes everywhere in the room, and he even had a table that was uh, custom made to hold pipes in the table itself. So go check out my Facebook page. You'll see a post that would have been about uh, about two weeks ago. I posted that, uh, but really nice that the, uh, the the Danish government is not trying to uh, whitewash their uh, their monarchy of the past and showed all of his pipes and had pictures of uh, their past monarch smoking pipes and you know not not trying to sanitize it for anybody. Um, Got by the Danish pipe shop to see the brand new store, and it is beautiful. It is as pretty of a pipe shop as I've seen, with a great selection of both new and estate pipes and a great selection of tobacco. Now, let me stop right here and say that as an American and as somebody who is in the business, and as somebody who is taking their family to Europe for the first time, Hitting pipe shops was not a priority for us, uh, for for several reasons. One, the family wasn't that interested in watching Dad hang out in a pipe shop and look at pipes. Uh, two, our tobacco prices in the U.S. are still dramatically lower than what you can get in Europe, and there's very few things at this moment that are only available in Europe that aren't available here. So, I'm not really, I don't really need to go chasing around for that. And three, as somebody who's in the business, you know, I've been in great pipe shops for the last 20-something years. When I'm on vacation, I kind of like to uh, unwind from going in pipe shops and having to uh, having to be me. You know, it's nice to just be a tourist. Uh, but the Danish pipe shop in Copenhagen, absolutely beautiful. Uh, coupled, the next day after that, we got over to uh, Svendborg because I wanted my family to see the smaller towns of... Denmark instead of just Copenhagen, and we spent the afternoon at McBaron and the evening having dinner with uh, Per Jensen, and that was really nice. The wife and kids enjoyed it. We had a great time. It was good to see Per and catch up with him. Uh, then it was off to Paris, where it was two days of um, two days of sightseeing, and then two mostly full days at Disneyland Paris. And I'll tell you, as a uh, pipe smoker. 
the Disneyland Paris parks are much more welcoming to smokers than the U.S. parks are. Uh, the smoking sections are okay. Uh, most of them have some place to kind of sit, but there is a lot of them, and they are easy to find and uh, easy to <laughs> easy to get into. Um, my uh, my smoking um, takeaway thought from Paris is that the French think that there's a the French have smoking laws, but they tend to really not enforce them or pay too much attention to them. Just don't do it in any art galleries or any national monuments, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Saw several French or Parisians smoking in places that had no smoking signs, and they were all just walking around smoking away. Um, so if you if you want to uh, you want to take a pipe smoking trip. Paris would be a great spot. Lots of cafes that have covered awnings that are very friendly to smoking anything and uh, sitting there and watching the traffic go by. Um, oh, last thing, if you get a chance to go to Paris and you want to watch chaos in motion, go to the Arc de Triomphe and watch the traffic circle that is around it. It's pure fun. Uh, then we were off to England where... Uh, if you want to take a look at the pictures, you can see that we got about 15 feet away from the Queen. Um, did uh, did get a chance to walk by a couple of the famed tobacco shops there, but the highlight of the uh, pipe-smoking part of London was the Sherlock Holmes pub, which I took a bunch of pictures of. And, of course, it's you know smoke-free completely, but it's still a chance to see some... Uh, see some artifacts in the set and the way the the way the restaurant was decorated and the room that they had set up as uh, Mr. Holmes's uh, office was actually done by a professional set decorator who had done one or two of the movies. So it was uh, nice to see that and there were pipes all over the place. No, I didn't steal one. I did try to peer at some of the names and the logos on there and they were all um, you know lower price pipes and so nothing. Nothing really worthwhile to uh, grab onto and steal anyway. Um, and then we uh, we got home Sunday afternoon. So that was the end of the trip. It was a good time. And I'll talk more about it in the rant at the end of the show. In just a minute, Joe Lankford will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of age briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Arcabellano red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us from the opposite side of the United States of America is uh, 
Boy, Joe, I think the first time I met you, you were just, you know, one of those crazy passionate pipe collectors and had done some home blending, but now you're uh, a uh, tobacco blender extraordinaire and kind of the uh, the brains behind the Seattle Pipe Club blend, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, Joe Langford, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Yeah, it's been a while in the working to get you here, but uh, all right, so tell us all, where did you grow up, uh, when did you grow up, and uh, what did you end up doing for a real living, because we know you weren't a tobacco blender all your life. Uh, that's right. Well, I was born and raised in southwest Kansas, liberal to be exact, in 1945, and uh Let's see, I went to high school and grade school and high school there, and then I went off to college at Goodwell, Oklahoma for a year, and then I went to uh, Kansas State College of Pittsburgh. Uh, worked on an engineering degree, but I didn't uh, didn't finish that uh, just the one year. Then I went to a trade school in Wichita, and... Uh, become a draftsman, and I was a draftsman for about 12 years, and I went to work for the uh, Department of Army, and they had a reduction in force, and I ended up going to work for the Federal Aviation Administration, and I spent 26 years with them. Now, what were you doing for the FAA? Well, I started out uh, in drafting, and then I converted over to electronics, and uh I got my ham radio license and really enjoyed electronics. So uh, I put in for a training position with them, and I ended up uh, uh, them sending me to schools. And uh, I got over seven years of formal uh, schools in electronics with the FAA, got some management schools, and... And I spent my last 10 years in the Air Traffic Control Center, uh, Seattle Air Traffic Control Center, which is actually in Auburn, Washington. And uh, I ended my career as a NASA operations manager. In other words, uh, uh, whenever management went home, we were the people who took care of the place and we monitored all the, they were right on the floor with all the air traffic controllers uh, so that we could... Uh, uh, communicate with them. So you, were you the were you the one goofing up my flight and delaying it and making me loop around in the skies twice? Uh, that's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let Let's talk about the fun stuff for a while here. Uh, when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, Nineteen sixty four. My dad had always smoked corn cob pipe, and and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So I bought a cheap pipe and some cheap tobacco, and that's how I got started. And, and then I, I'm assuming you uh, you probably hurt yourself pretty good with the cheap pipe and the cheap tobacco, and then you uh, progressed yeah. on. And from then on, I was always looking for a tobacco that wouldn't wouldn't. Uh, would hurt my tongue very bad. So anyway, my wife and I owned a tobacco shop in Dodge City, Kansas for a while. Uh, 
after I left uh, the drafting school in Wichita, I had a job in Dodge City working for a grain order company as a draftsman. And uh, we opened a little tobacco shop, and it seemed to be going good, so I quit that job and just uh, ran a tobacco shop. It lasted about a year and a half, and uh, we got into a recession in 71, and so uh, we uh, ended up losing our butt, and I had to go back to work as a draftsman for a while. Now, when when you got into the good tobaccos in the uh, late '60s, what were the good ones back then? Uh, Balkan's Brownie was good. Uh, there was one. I don't even remember the name of it, but I really liked it. It was a, a Virginia tobacco, and uh, Peter Heinrich has got one of his blends that's very similar to what that one was. And so I bought several tins of it. <laughs> so, so then you open up the smoke shop, and uh, did you have to, when you closed it, did you have to take a whole bunch home and smoke it yourself? Well, yeah, I did. <laughs> I bought my tobacco from Philip Morris at the time. Uh, Jerry Goodman and Jerry's Tobacco Shops in Denver is the one that uh, helped me set everything up. And uh, he was always a great friend. Of course, he passed away here about five, six years ago. But I hated to see, but uh, every time i go through Denver, I'd uh, stop and visit with him for a little bit. Was the, was, uh, was the tobacco shop the first time you got to play around with blending? Actually, I didn't do a whole lot of blending even then. It was uh, later on that I got into the blending and stuff. But the whole time I've been smoking, I've been, uh, I'd get a, uh, a tobacco and uh, I didn't like it or it was harsh or something, so I'd buy another tobacco and, and it would be harsh or something, and I'd try blending the two of them together. And, of course, it never come out right, so... I ended up throwing uh, more tobacco away than most people are buying in their lifetime, I think. <laughs> uh, now, when when we first met, I think you were uh, passionately fascinated with a certain lady from Denmark's pipes. Uh, yes. So how did in you fact, get, how did you from the middle of Kansas get interested in Danish handmade pipes? Because uh, I met Rick Newcomb. Uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, uh, read his books and all of that, and I got uh, uh, enthralled with it. Now, I got seven of her pipes, seven of Nan Iverson's pipes. In fact, I'm smoking one right now. It's my favorite pipe. It's a little ball-shaped pipe with a quarter bend, and some of it prettiest ring grain you ever saw. <laughs> Sandblaster, of course, black sandblaster. Before all the uh, before all the Nana pipes were, what were your what were your favorite pipes then? Well, and they still are. My favorite pipe is the Yaskonovich. Well, <laughs> that's a step down. 
<laughs> I got owned over twelve dumbhills, but I've only found three that I like to smoke. And uh, I've got about thirty yes conovetches, <laughs> and I got uh, three Lars Irisons. And that's why I've always called you Uncle Joe, my favorite Uncle Joe. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess uh, one of the things that uh, where I messed up was I had four bow norts at one time. And I swapped one of them to Rick Newcomb <laughs> for a, a new con of its. And I was happy with that one. And I sold uh, three of them uh, up in Canada for, I paid $2,000 a piece for them, and I smoked them for three to five years. And I sold them for $3,000 and thought I got a great deal. And about six months later, Bo passed away. And his pipes, as you know, went astronomical. And I always kind of regretted I got rid of them. Yeah, so maybe one day privately you're going to have to tell me how you convinced your wife to let you buy these pipes. Um, or, you know, maybe she doesn't know about them. Uh, and, and you can tell us all the secrets, but what was it about those pipes or about the Conowitzes and the Iversons and the and the Bo Nords that, what was it that you love? What makes you love them so much? Just the smoking quality of them. The Eskonovichs are probably the most consistent good smoking pipes I've ever smoked. And uh, I guess how I actually got my first ones, uh, I'd had an S-Bang back in about 70, yeah. and uh, I was amazed at how well it smoked. In fact, Tell you how long ago it was, I paid $55 for it, brand new. Wow. And uh, I ended up giving it to a doctor who did my knee surgery. He was a pipe smoker at the time. And he really liked it, the looks of it, so I just give it to him. Of course, in them days, you could smoke in, in uh, uh, hospitals. Anyway, I uh, always kind of regretted that. And uh, I run across Nikos Levin and uh, bought an S-Bang from him. And he convinced me I needed to buy a Konovitz. He had a little horn there that was just beautiful. So I purchased it. And that was the first uh, time I had a Konovitz. And through the years, I bought several S-Bangs. And uh, uh, the first Chicago show I went to was in Harvey. And I come home with seven convicts pipes that day. <laughs> so that that goes back a few years, at least uh, 18 or 19, but still you went in and you went there and picked up seven pipes in one day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the first time I met, yes. And, uh, of course, by that time, uh, uh, Keith Moore uh, at Uptowns was handling 
uh, Yes's pipes and Orr's pipes. Anyway, I was up in the room with Keith uh, Moore, and he was showing me some of the pipes, and uh, Yes walked in. He was smoking a pipe that I really liked, and it just, I didn't even think, I just said, Keith, he's smoking my pipe. <laughs> Yes, and Bonnie just stopped dead in their tracks, you know, and looked at me. That was funny. So I didn't think any more about it. Uh, tell you kind of a funny story about Marty Fulwards, too, on that same trip. Yeah. Uh, well, I bought several of the pipes that Keith had, of course. And yes, it went over and, and uh, gave Marty Fulwards some pipes to sell. And I was standing there. I, w- I walked over with him, pretty much. Anyway, he uh, showed him to Marty. Marty pulled this one pipe out that looked very similar to the pipe that Yes had been smoking. And it was $800. I still remember the price. Anyway, Marty looked at it, had his finger in it, and he felt it. And he said, well, the bottom's pretty thin. I don't think I want this one. And I said, Marty, you ought to buy that pipe. And he looked at it, and he felt it, and he says, no, I don't think so. And I said, Marty, you better buy that pipe. And uh, for the third time, he said, well, I don't know about it. And yes, knew what I was doing. And he was just a grinning like a Chester cat. Anyway, I, I told Marty, I said, Marty, buy the pipe. And it dawned on him what, what was going on. So... Uh, he took it, and uh, I handed him the cash for it, and he handed the, well, he owed yes right there on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a so, perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, how many pipes you own, and then we're going to get into all these uh, tobaccos that you blended. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with the uh, wheeler dealer of uh, of pipes for I guess twenty years ago, with uh, Joe Langford. But all right, Joe, how many pipes did you own at the uh, at the highest point, and how many do you own right now? about 130 pipes at the highest point. I own about 130 now. 
<laughs> so you're really fluctuating a lot, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Actually, uh, some of the ones I don't like, I sell, and I turn around and buy other ones. So, <laughs> so you're you're not you're not thinning the herd. You're just working the herd. Yes. See, I knew you'd understand that because you lived in Dodge City for a while. That's right. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> Uh, how uh, how often do you uh, do you smoke your pipe? Are you smoking all day or just a couple times a day? Well, let's see. Only when I'm awake. Okay. Never when I'm sleeping. So, just about every minute that I'm awake. First thing I do before I get out of bed is light a pipe. <laughs> So that leads me, uh, I asked you that question because you are the blender of the, uh, of the original Seattle Pipe Club blends, and I know that you personally have a uh, fairly substantial inventory of tobaccos that you use for blending and smoking and all that stuff. But let's go back to the beginning. What what got you started on this Seattle Pipe Club stuff, and how did it how did it all come to fruition? Okay. Uh, well, the first thing I did, I figured as a blender, if I was going to blend anything worth anything, I needed to know what each tobacco smoked like, uh, tasted like, and and the nuances with it. So I got as many raw tobaccos as I could find. Uh, most of them at the first, uh, some Craig Carr, Craig and Patty at Cornell and Deal. And uh, I sat here on my living room couch for several weeks and uh, just smoking straight tobaccos. Uh, just about everything you can imagine. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, the way it all got started was pretty much... Uh, one morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, I sat straight up in bed, and I had a, uh, an idea in my head, and I got out of bed, come in the kitchen here, and got out a pad and paper and wrote down a blend. I'd blended several blends, but I couldn't hardly handle smoking them. Anyway, I wrote this down, and uh, when I got up in the morning, I didn't really think a whole lot about it. Poured myself a cup of coffee, and I kind of looked at it, and... And uh, molded around, and I decided to go ahead and blend it up. And I didn't expect it to be very good, and it turned out to be the Mississippi River. <laughs> so, what was wrong with it? And then, what you what did you tweak? I didn't. I don't tweak my blends. I've had, believe it or not, from that point on. I have not made a blend that I couldn't smoke on a regular basis. And I've only had one blend that I modified one time. And that's the, the uh, Seattle Pipe Club's Levant Mixture. So you, you pretty much nail them right out of the box? Or when you're, when you're working on the blends, do you have a couple of different variations of it? do is I sit down with a pad and pencil and uh, I think about the tobaccos and the flavors and that sort of thing and I write it down 
and then I'll uh, go get my tobaccos out and all my gunning things, you know, uh, bowl and my scale and all of that. And uh, I blended some in grams and some in uh, ounces and, and uh, different things, and I've had to convert them uh, when I turned into a really, really good blend. And then I got a press out there in the garage uh, that uh, Craig Carver taught me how to press tobacco in a big chunk. And uh, I used to press a pound at a time. Anyway, uh, I still got that press, but I can't operate it anymore because of my shoulder. I've got no rotator cuff in it anymore, so I don't have enough strength to use it. But uh, anyway... That's how it all started, and then I, uh, and Matt, he liked uh, a Latakia, and Marty Pulvers likes Latakia. Uh, Marty always told me that uh, when I come up with a blend that was straight Latakia, he'd like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I decided to blend uh, uh, Latakia mixture, and that's when I come up with the... Uh, uh, Plum, uh, yeah, plum pudding. And where I got the name plum pudding is there's a book by uh, uh, Milton Sherman. Yeah. And in that book, he says that the British uh, say that Latakia has a plum pudding flavor to it. <laughs> and so I just named it plum pudding, which was maybe a mistake because some people think it was some aromatic. We've had some comments and some people thought it was a plum-flavored tobacco, and it's not. It's a lot of keel blend. I thought it was specially made for Christmas. Uh, for who? For, for Christmas, Christmas time, because that's, that's when you have uh, figgy pudding. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah. So if somebody has never smoked Mississippi River or plum pudding, what what kind of flavor are they looking for if they uh what are the blends kind of like so that they have an idea of what they're going to get themselves into? Oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, Mississippi River is kind of a uh, it's mostly red Virginia, There's a little bit of uh, black soul Virginia and uh some perique and just a touch of uh, an oriental tobacco and uh, some Latakia, just a light touch. And uh, on a plum pudding, it's about uh, 50% Latakia, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect and, for uh, outdoor smoking. Yes, or anybody that likes the smell of burning uh, Latakia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's Matt Gus's favorite. He likes the plum pudding. And uh, it's also got some red Virginias and uh, several other tobaccos in it. Some black stove, some oriental. And in in the past couple of years, you've come out with a couple others. So talk us, talk us through those and tell us what... What were you What were you trying to do, and uh, what'd you end up with? 
go in the other room and get my sheet there and throw all that stuff down. Uh, in fact, I took uh, last week and made a new blend uh, similar to the uh, Mississippi River. I use a little different uh, tobaccos in it, and it turned out really good. In fact, uh, it was so good the first week I smoked uh, about 50 grams of it. Well, more than 50 grams, more like 100 grams, because I've mixed, mixed a double mixture. <laughs> Let's see. We made uh, some potlatch, and uh, that's a lot of Kia blend. It's uh, most of it's a lot of Kia and uh, Burley. I didn't, uh, I didn't do too much burley blending because I couldn't uh, find any decent burley until uh, I got some McClellan's burley and some of uh, uh, Sutler's burleys. And they've got some good burleys. Some of the early ones I had uh, were kind of harsh. I don't know whether they weren't matured or what, but uh, I didn't like them at all, so... Originally, I started most of my blending with Virginia's. Seemed like they had a cleaner taste to them. Anyway, uh, the potlatch, that's another one of our blends. And uh, it, uh, like I say, it's about uh, half burly and some black Cavendish, a little bit of Latakia. And some uh, bright Virginias and some uh, red Virginias, touch per week. And uh, then we had uh, Deception Pass, which is uh, uh, vapor, and it's uh, uh, got some. Uh, black Cavendish in it, plain black Cavendish. I don't use the flavor of black Cavendish. And uh, it's red cake and uh, some blended Turkish ribbon and some black stove and just a touch of Perique. Perique, believe it or not, will mellow out a blend. Yep. Most people think it won't, but if you've got one that bites a little bit, just put it a small amount of perique in it, and it'll surprise you how much it mellows it out. Does it take a little bit of time to do that, or can you, uh, if I'm sitting at home and I got a blend that's a little hot, can I just pop it, pop a little bit of perique in there and then uh, shake it up and let it sit overnight? Yep. Don't even have to let it sit overnight. Uh, that's About 5%, 4 or 5% uh, perique. In a hot blend, will calm it right down. That's why I love that perique. Mm. Yep. Anyway. Me too. <laughs> Craig Turner used to tell me he had one guy who would buy a pound every month, and that's all he smoked was straight perique. Yeah. Well, you and I have both done that, and I guarantee you, you and I are not smoking straight perique on a regular basis. No. <laughs> 
probably not. <laughs> so, what is uh, what is Seattle evening? Is that uh, is that just a cool rainy night? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's uh, uh, let's see, it's about forty uh, percent Latakia, and then uh, some. Uh, about forty percent uh, Orientals, and then uh, about twenty percent Red Virginia. <laughs> so and it's uh, that's one that Gary Shire liked for a while. So that's kind of like a halfway point between those all those half Latakia blends, right? Uh huh. When you're uh, when. When you do this, you, you're working on a blend and you get it. Do you do you try to smoke a whole bunch of it to really understand what it's doing, or do you or can you pretty much figure out if you got it right from the first bowl? I can pretty much figure it out from the first bowl. I've done it for so long, I guess. That, and the nice thing about being the only one that blends the tobaccos uh, is you know what's going on. Yeah. You know, what you've done and that sort of thing where if you've got two or three or four people working doing a tobacco blending you might be just a little bit different from each person you know and then do you have all these different component tobaccos sitting around in your garage right now yes I do and the reason I asked about how much tobacco you smoke uh a day is uh, because uh, you you want to tell everybody how much tobacco you have that you own. <laughs> well, most of it's blending tobacco, but I got about twelve hundred pounds out in the garage. That's that's one thousand two hundred pounds of pipe tobacco that you can blend together and make whatever you want whenever you want. That's correct. Do you have any other tins or any other pipe tobaccos of of other companies laying around there? Yes, I do. <laughs> I've got a... Uh, I would say that of that 1,200 pounds, 1,000 pounds of it is bulk tobaccos. And then uh, the other 200 pounds are tins. Various tins. I like a lot of Peter Heinrich's stuff and uh, a lot of McClellan's stuff and uh, got a little bit of uh, uh, Craig Pease's stuff and a little bit of uh, Cornell and Deal stuff. I've got a good variety of tobaccos out there. Anybody that comes over usually goes home with a car full of tobacco. I'm on my way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, but, but no, that's that's one of the reasons why I've always said that you know when I grow up I want to be just like Joe. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> My wife might argue with you there. Well, I've met your wife. She's an angel and a saint, and all that rolled into one because she puts up with all of your uh, nonsense. Yes, she does. <laughs> And she knows about every pipe I've bought. She won't buy me a pipe, but she'll let me buy them. <laughs> well, 
give her give her a big hug and kiss for me and we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready okay what is your favorite pipe and what is your favorite tobacco uh, this new one I blended up. The one that you can't tell anybody about yet? Right. Okay. I call it, I call it Rush. <laughs> what I is... Get a rush, I'm sorry. Up. I, I get a rush every time I light it up. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink is uh, red wine. Uh, it's a tiny pork. Ooh. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Book. And then finally, uh, besides trying to buy the pipe right out of uh, Yes's mouth, do you have uh, another favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Well, yeah, I could say that. Uh, but, uh, See, about three months after that trip where I told Keith there in Harvey, Illinois, that uh, he was smoking my pipe, <laughs> he sent Keith one with my name on it, just like it. <laughs> and uh, so I bought it, too. <laughs> so you have twins. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So to to check out all of Joe's work, you can go to any of the uh, any of your favorite tobacco shops or online retailers and look for the uh, Seattle Pipe Club blends. They're the ones in the uh, tall, round, kind of peanut-looking cans. And uh, and uh, Joe, hopefully, we'll see you at the uh, West Coast Pipe Show. We've already got our rooms. I'm looking forward to seeing you then, and. Uh, Thanks for coming on here and joining us. Well, thanks a million, Brian. I appreciate it, and I'm humbled. We'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, campers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and if you ever get to see Joe at a pipe show, pull him off to the side. He's got a ton of other stories that are always a hoot, and I love hanging out with him. And you can uh, tell him what your favorite Seattle Pipe Club blend is. All right, for music, going back to uh, Dom Flemons 
And uh, Dom was on the show, oh, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, two years ago. Anyway, he's got an album out, came out last year. It's called Ever Popular Favorites with Martin Simpson. And this one is called Short Time Come Again No More. Let's just pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears While we all sub sorrow with the poor There's a song that will linger forever in our ears Oh, short time, come again no more It's the song of the factory workers Short time, short time, come again no more For we can't get our cotton from the old Kentucky shore Oh, short time, come again no more Our wives and our children are pining day by day Through the wars of America, they say we can't get them bread for to ease them of their pain Oh, short time, come again no more This is the song of the factory workers Short time, short time, come again no more For we can't get our cotton from the old Kentucky shore Oh, short times come again no more We are not constant beggars whom you have seen before Though poverty drives us from our homes And we can't make a living as in the days of yore Oh, short times come again no more it's the song of the factory workers Short times, short times, come again no more We can't get our cotton from the old Kentucky shore Oh, short times, come again no more It's the song of the factory workers Short times, short times, come again no more For we can't get our cotton from the old Kentucky shore Oh, short times, come again no more To learn more about Dom Flemons, his website is theamericansongster.com. It's theamericansongster.com. Pipe smoker, a uh, young guy, if you want to help him out, support him, buy an album or two, find out where he's going to be, go to his website and uh, check him out. Yes! You have new mail. 
Going back uh, two weeks to the show with Roberto Escorte on, uh, Casey Ghost writes, Good show. I have mainly bent pipes and really dislike billiards, so I can't say much good about them. Uh, when we had the Casey Pipe Show contest for billiards, there were 50-some entries for the contest, but... If you rule out uh, if you rule out non billiards, we wouldn't have had seven pipes for the seven day set. They are really hard to make. The Escorty interview is very good. Yeah, a true classic billiard is not easy to make. Uh, and then Dino says, "I really enjoyed the conversation with the Escortys. Not only fun, but very informative. It was nice also to meet up with you again in Chicago. Thanks for another entertaining show, Dino. Dino, you're welcome." Uh, and then last week with Antoine, uh, New Broom writes, Nice work, Brian, getting interviews while on the road. Uh, you are in a talent-rich environment, but it had to be a nuisance for you and an interruption for your pipe show enjoyment. Thanks for everyone's hard work and enjoyable program, Mike. Mike, you're welcome. Um, not only is it uh, a nuisance, it's, uh, it's an extra suitcase of stuff that I have to travel with. And on top of that, it's not so much that it cuts into my pipe show enjoyment. It cuts into uh, everybody's schedule. And at the Chicago Pipe Show, scheduling an hour with somebody is not as easy as, uh, as one would think it is. Because, I mean, there's a lot going on. And you got to get around and see the sights and you know, hit everybody. And there's a lot of business part of it, too. So it does make it tough. Uh, remember, any comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can go to pipesmagazine.com and post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page for that episode. Uh, not only do I read them all, but I like getting them, good or bad. Doesn't matter. Hey, you don't like it? Tell me. <laughs> May not care, but if you don't like it, tell me. Um, if you would like to advertise on the Pipes Magazine radio show, contact Kevin Godby at pipesmagazine.com. Kevin handles all that, and it's thanks to our advertisers that every one of our episodes is up and available for free for you to download or re-listen to at any time. They're just all sitting there, and it's all because of the uh, all because of those advertisements that you hear on this show that we're able to do that. Uh, speaking of this show, next week we will be on on Thursday night. Why? Because Kevin's going to be out of town, and I don't want to try to run everything myself because it will probably end up in a chaotic mess of a screw-up. So we're just going to say we're going to push it back to Thursday night for next week. So if you're looking for us on this on Tuesday, we won't be there. It will be, uh, let's see, today is the 6th, so that would be the uh, Friday the 15th? Is that or Thursday the 15th? Does that sound right to you? Uh, anyway, it'll be that Thursday. It'll be uh, back two days later than normal. Yes, Thursday the 15th. So, again, uh, email me questions or comments. If you haven't had a chance, please go to iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. We would appreciate that. And uh, if you're listening on Stitcher, you can do it there too as well. All right, in just a moment, rant time. I think it is safe for me to say without offending anybody that terrorists are a bunch of, insert your favorite F starting word here, idiots, and uh, you know what, it's really stupid. Um, yeah, so we were, uh, 
Last Saturday night, we were in London, and we were about two miles away from the London Bridge when uh, that idiot, or those idiots, decided to do what they were going to do. They knew they were going to die. They knew that they were going to get killed. They decided that they were going to make a statement and thus put everybody in fear. Now, go back a couple of months ago, and my wife and I had a brief discussion, a brief conversation about what was going on in the world, and we were going to places that were more likely to have a terrorist incident than Concord, North Carolina. We decided that it didn't matter. We, it's not going to stop what we want to do or what we are going to do. All we were going to do is make sure that we were more aware of what was going on around us. That's it. We're not going to let these bastards do their stupid little things and you know, martyr themselves and have it change or affect the way we think or the way we feel or the actions that we do. It's very simple. Keep calm and carry on because if you don't carry on, then the bastards win. Eventually, eventually terrorists will run out of martyrs that are willing to do this because they will realize that you know what? It's really freaking stupid and nothing ever is going to change from it. If anything, terrorism has a 100% failure rate and it, it strengthens the people that they attack. So, it's got a 100% failure rate. We'll keep calm and carry on with it. That's exactly what we did. That's exactly what everyone else should do. Yes, it is these uh, these terrorist attacks are terrible because it harms the innocent that weren't doing anything wrong at all, but you can't let them get you down. You can't let them change the way you think. And you know what I think we ought to do, really? Really, I think we ought to let them all smoke a pipe. Because really, if you think about it, has there ever really been a pipe-smoking terrorist that I can think of? No, me neither. Alright, uh, remember, next week we'll be on on Thursday night. Uh, send your cards and letters or greetings and uh, comments and questions to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. I want to thank Joe Langford for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Ew! Oh! Yuck! Bad monkey, stop that! Ew, that's not right! Are you done? Huh? Do you have an issue with me? Huh? Do you have an issue with me? Because if I if I have a problem with somebody, I don't pee on them, okay? Alright?